0: Welcome to the Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions podcast, bringing people together through collaboration, creativity, and community all through the arts. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm your host, Maureen Buscarino, and I hope to inspire you and to help you discover amazing music and artists from around the world. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. William Jackson is one of Scotland's most well-respected and sought-after performers and teachers of the Scottish harp. Billy's humor and graciousness are a constant, as his fans from around the world will agree. He is also a music therapist. We talk a little bit about how wonderful the harp is for sharing with others in therapy situations and how powerful music therapy can be. He is a multi-instrumentalist who started his musical journey learning classical piano and then fiddle and pipes, among other instruments. He also plays the bazooki, an instrument in the lute family that was very popular in Greece. It gained popularity in Irish music in the 1960s, where it's become a very common instrument to hear in Irish sessions. Billy often tours and gives harp workshops with his wife, Granny Hamley as the Masters of Celtic Harp. However, during the COVID lockdowns of 2020, they are presenting concerts and workshops online. This interview was recorded in June of 2020, before the July Somerset Folk Harp Festival that took place online this year. So enjoy my interview with Billy Jackson. Thank you so much, Billy, for being here with me today to, to chat with me about the harp and all kinds of other great music that's going on in the world right now. Um, right. How are you? Good. How- I'm
1: good, thanks. Yeah, we're, uh, we've got a really stormy patch of weather here, but we've, we've been in the house mostly for the past few months and it's been great weather oh. by Irish standards, but now it's very stormy. But we're doing fine. We're trying try to keep busy musically and otherwise
0: yeah yeah i want to ask you about that so you and um and grania are doing harp lessons like harp camps for people or you...
1: well yeah she's been teaching a lot anyway because uh she she has a lot of students anyway so she's been teaching a lot of her usual students and she did a couple of extra things recently um i don't teach at all here nobody wants to learn <laughs> <laughs> me our, in ireland and um the funny thing about Irish people is they want to play Irish music. I never quite understood it. <laughs> no, just joking. But, you know, I, we did a couple of concerts online, maybe three concerts so far. Um, but we've got a couple of things coming up. Yeah, but, you know, apart from Somerset, we've got a couple of little things that we're trying to do. And to also doing a concertina thing. Right, right. Uh, which is kind of she's getting a few people signed up for that. So... Fairly really busy. She's well up on this whole technical side of it because she's been doing it, but uh, I haven't done very much of it, so I need to learn more about that side of things.
0: No, I think you're in the same boat with a lot of people. <laughs> so yeah, especially,
1: it's a, with... a whole different world. I mean, you, there's enough to be doing, learning how your instrument works and keeping it maintained you know like you're using the pipes on the harp and now we've got to deal with all this stuff
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly um but so somerset's coming up um speaking a somerset folk harp festival so um i i'd love to ask you how you got involved with with it and and Mm -hmm. and um maybe your whole take on on the festival going online right this year so
1: I don't know the first year I played, but obviously it's before Cathy uh, took over the festival and, uh, and Jerry was running it. And she booked me to play there. And it was at Somerset in New Jersey at, at that time. And I'm guessing it was 2003 would be the first year. Um, it might have been 2002, I can't remember. And then it was great. I was amazed. You know, I, I had been to HarpCon a few times. Uh, in the States, you know, I was at one in Galveston, Texas, and in, in where was it, in, in Indiana, I forget which town it was in, and um, that was great, you know, and just to see all the heartmakers and that there, so to come to New Jersey and, and do the festival was good. I was living in Asheville, North Carolina at the time, so I drove up, and uh, so I did the festival a few times, and I met, well, did I meet Grania at Somerset? Let me think. I probably met her uh, i met her for the first time in indiana at harp corn and then the following weekend she, she was at somerset in new jersey and um so that's how we met anyway was through through the harp festival so it was pretty kind of uh important in terms of career and life and all all that kind of thing
0: right yeah i, I know kathy always says um she was driving Granny, and she was playing one of your <laughs> your albums, and then yeah. she, was, you know, she mentioned, "Oh, you guys should like meet up or talk mm. or something."
1: Yeah, I was <laughs> so, yeah. kid around. She was running a Celtic harp dating agency.
0: Yeah, so,
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's how things, ha- things happen. You don't know where it leads to, but uh, you know, here we are now.
0: True. Yeah. So, so, um, how are you feeling about? Somerset being um, online this year?
1: Um, I haven't really done anything online yet, apart from uh, doing the Harper's Escape little uh, session we do on Monday evenings Mm. with Cathy. And so I've been doing that, and that's my kind of experience of of that. So it'll be interesting to see. I've already recorded uh, one of my workshops, and the, the other one I'll be teaching some PCs live. Oh, and then we have the Harper's Escape which is t- tagged onto that and I'll be teaching another piece so it'll be interesting to see uh, how it goes and uh, you know at some point Gronja and I will both be on at the same time Great. so um, our Wi-Fi is not brilliant because we live in a very remote area so she's probably going to go to her parents' house next door use their Wi-Fi mm. and we'll book work that way you know so we just don't know how, what strain our Wi-Fi can take <laughs> so it's a... a learning curve that's for sure
0: oh absolutely yeah i mean you're coming in really clear right now which is terrific
1: good yeah. so. but honestly um we've got we've got quite a new house but uh whatever happens every so often the power just goes off oh it's a sort of wiring so if i disappear i will reappear <laughs> okay. in two minutes time <laughs> i have to run upstairs and flick a switch in the fuse box
0: oh okay that's
1: that's the only that's the only drawback about living in a remote area
0: yeah yeah Oh, okay, um, yeah, no problem. So now I know <laughs> <laughs> you're not just going to hang up on me. No. <laughs> so um, I, I do want to ask you how, um, maybe here you uh, get this asked all the time, but how you started with the harp uh, and the pipes yeah. too.
1: Hmm. Well, <clears throat> I always think if I'd stuck at one instrument, I probably, probably have got really good at it, but I've got this bad habit of wanting to learn other instruments all the time. So starting well, when I was eleven, I went to piano. I was forced to go to piano lessons, so I did. Uh, I didn't want to go, and I went for a few years. Did classical, and then started getting interested in traditional music, Scottish and Irish. Listening to the Dubliners, the Chieftains, the Corries in Scotland, and various various other folk acts. It was different than then. It was mostly bands who did songs and the occasional instrumental. And I, I started playing like mandolin, I played fiddle for a while. And then I started in a band uh, when I was like 15 and I ended up playing double bass and became a bass guitarist. So that's I was a bass player for six years and right. moved to London with this, this band, which was called Contraband. And we, we played electric folk music, kind of like Steel Ice Band, Fairport Convention. All
0: right.
1: And we were, we were all from Glasgow, same area. brother was in the band and i gradually started to hear more and more traditional stuff listening to pipes listening to finbar fury chieftains um willie clancy getting his record old recordings and also starting to hear and playing the harp and i lived in london for a year and a half with this band and i used to see This music store, I think it was in Golden Square in London and they always had this harp in the window and it was a lever harp. But I just used to stare at it through the window and look at it, try and figure out how it worked, how it was made. I never got to touch it, I never went into the store. But it really, that image stuck in my mind and at the same time I'm listening to Alan Stavell's recordings and and Derek Bell playing. So um, when that band finished I decided to take up the harp so we're talking about 1975 so i sold my bass equipment my bass guitar my amplifier and i bought a harp mm. and these, my, these guys used to phone me up offering me concerts with the looking for me to play the bass <laughs> and <they> said <laughs> i've sold the bass and bought a harp and they're saying what you've done what <laughs> it was like didn't make any sense to them that i would want to play the harp after what i had been doing you know, they would say, you'll never work again, you you're <laughs> fool. <laughs> so that's how I started on the harp. And uh, I had a few lessons in Glasgow. I, th- I think I had six lessons mm. from a pedal harpist called Sancia pilu who's an Irish lady who lived in Glasgow. She was a pedal harpist with the BBC Symphony Orchestra. Wow. can't remember the name. And uh, she had pedal harps at home. She also had small harps because she was Irish. She had a few smaller harps. So that was my beginning in the harp. And after that, it was mostly yeah, self-taught until, until I went to do my music therapy training in London. And that was in uh, 1992, 93. And during my music therapy course, we had, it was at the Guildhall School of Music. We had to continue lessons in our instrument no matter how long we had been playing. So I had lessons from a pedal harpist um, there and um, that 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 was that was my background in the harp and definitely very influenced by Derek Bell and Alan Stivell mm. initially and then Alison Kneerd. I remember when Alison Kneerd brought out their first LP, one of those big things with the harp, and I thought that's just amazing. So she was a great influence.
0: So did you learn on pedal yeah. harp or did no, you? No no, no, no. Oh, okay. No. Um,
1: he just, he basically humored me. Um, he would say, play something, i would play something and he would make suggestions. All right. Uh, he, say, he, say, he would say, I don't play this kind of music and I don't play this, this style. Mm. I think he found it quite refreshing to actually work with somebody who wasn't playing the pedal harp because that's what he was doing all the time. Uh, David Watkins, he's quite a famous pedal harpist. And he got me to change the height of the harp, because you know, I had it down quite low. Okay. And you see people playing the harp in Ireland, they have it generally, on you know, the size of harp. They have it on the ground, yeah. and they sit, they sit in a regular chair. So he said, you need to get the harp up higher, get closer to the sound. Mm. It'll change the whole angle of your hand and your wrist. So I still have the harp up high, either it's on a little stool or I have legs on the harp. Okay. And I can't play the harp down low. I've got to get, get it up higher. Oh, right. So that was that definitely changed the way I play.
0: And and when did you uh, start the band Ocean? O- o- ocean The ocean was in yeah. nineteen seventy six.
1: Okay. And the band went for about fourteen years. So we had about six different recordings with the band. Oh. Okay. And traveled all over, all over Europe, all over the states and Canada.
0: And you played pipes with, with them? Yeah, or... I played deal,
1: I played pipes. Um, my family were from. Down to Donegal originally my grandparents so I was very influenced by Irish music and that's what I mainly listen to but other members of the band would be have a very strong Scottish music influence and so I was starting to get into that so I played the Ellen pipes for maybe 20 years and don't have a set anymore but I've got the small pipes there which is a different thing mm. a different scale different mode um So I enjoy playing them, and they're actually easier than the island pipes. The most difficult musical instrument is the the Irish island pipe.
0: So playing the pipes, did that influence the tunes that you play on the harp, or did you, you know...
1: Yeah, I think one instrument, well, often think one instrument leads to another, right? So if you play the the whistle, it might lead you to play the the flute, which might lead you to play the pipes. Mm -hmm. But there's no real connection between the harp and the pipes in terms of technique, you know. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, but certainly you can place a lot of pipe, pipe tunes on the harp. And I mean, the way people play the harp now in, in the traditional world, they're playing mostly dance music, hmm. which wasn't played on the harp, you know, playing jigs and reels and hornpipes. It wasn't, an, it's not an instrument that you can play at a dance. They always used loud instruments like right. fiddle and the pipes and the flute. Right. And then later the banjo. And much later, the, the accordion. So, like the banjo and the accordion are not traditionally Irish instruments, but came into Ireland. And because they were so loud and would cut through, if you, if you had a hall full of people stomping around, sure, and there's sure. no no amplification, you needed to be able to hear the music. And the harp certainly wouldn't do it. Right. The harp had its own repertoire before the, the dance music. But now, it's this ongoing question about when does a tradition begin? Mm-hmm. You know, and people would often say, oh, that's not traditional. But everything has to start sometime.
0: Yeah, it's you not, it's not that, static. The
1: harp wasn't always in Ireland either, if you go way back. Uh, so every <laughs> instrument has eventually come into Ireland and Scotland from some other place and developed in a certain way. This applies to uh, every country and sure. every instrument.
0: Well, and then the, the instrument that you have now, um, mm-hmm. with the carbon fiber strings and the, mm-hmm. the smooth levers yeah. and... You know the arrangements that you can do on that are different Mm than on the wire strung harp or um, like how how do you navigate that through the tradition like you know
1: well this this type of harp came about and there's different names for for this harp in ireland some people would say the neo-irish harp or the irish harp sometimes it's called the clarsach in scotland but what happened way back at the beginning of the 20th century um In Scotland, anyway, the only harps, apart from pedal harps, that still existed were two or three old wire-strung harps. And there was a man called Lord Archibald Campbell, took two harps, the Queen Mary Harp and the Lament Lament Harp, took them to a violin maker in Edinburgh, because nobody made harps like this, and he asked them to make copies of these harps. So they made like a dozen small wire-strung harps and presented them to harp players who played pedal harp, they couldn't play them because they were wire strong, the strings were really close together and it was a completely different instrument. So they had to go back to the drawing board and they developed a small harp which was more or less a hybrid of pedal harp and the small wire harp which would have pedal harp spacing. You know tension and be be more of a size where they could actually play it because the, the, the small wire harps if they were played with the fingernails there's often very little space up here to, to actually get your hand in it's very very narrow so well, this is this is like an evolution of the pedal harp and the wire harp together right, uh, right. now so this started at some date and that's when that tradition started you know mm. in a couple of hundred years it'll be way back in the you know In the ages, it'll be a tradition, but I mean, this type of harp isn't really that old. So the old, the older harps would be strung with wire or hair or gut Mm. and the harp, like any musical instrument, the harp is continually being developed, like the bagpipe being developed to its most extreme in the Irish Linn pipes, as an example, whereas the original bagpipe would be very, very basic and simple. Uh, develops into the ollen pipes over many years, and a and, uh, very, very small, simple harp-like instrument with maybe a few strings would develop into a larger instrument, strung in a variety of ways, and it, it gradually evolved into the pedal harp. So there are to me, there's no such thing as a real harp or a proper harp, and there's no toy harps, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they're just all instruments, there's <laughs> varieties of an instrument you know i said sure. how many ways can you get a sound from a piece of wood using a plucked string and that's what they did with the harp and it went in different it's like a tree it goes in different branches mm. uh some some go towards the lute and the guitar you know and some towards a shape of instrument and um, you know people are always trying to find different ways of making making uh, a sound oh
0: sure uh and and um but with the carbon fiber strings and like the, the, mm-hmm. you, your ornaments can be faster your playing can be yeah. you know um then yeah. on maybe a gut string or yeah you know the different tension or things like that too yeah
1: i found it i mean i used to use gut strings all the time I, my first harp was nylon strong then I, I switched to gut and it was like concert gut mm-hmm. and then eventually i switched to light light gauge uh, gut strings and then uh, switched to carbon. Now, when I switched to carbon, I found it difficult to get used to. Mm. Um, even although the strings were the same distance apart, they felt like they were further apart because the strings were so much thinner. Mm. But I think in terms of the feel, it's, it's the closest feel you could get to actually playing the wire harp because, oh, you know, okay. the strings are quite tight and very thin. But um, certainly, I think the carbon are, strings are perfect for traditional music. Mm. Um, it just depends what kind of sound you like you know the harps in scotland are m- more likely to be still have gut strings it's just a personal choice you know it's not it's, it's just um what kind of sound you like mm,
0: yeah, and, and you um, use the harp um in in therapy too in in uh, music therapy
1: yeah. yeah i have a small harp um little dusty strings uh, nylon strong harp and I use it in conjunction with a guitar and lots of percussion. So it's, it's part of my toolbox. Uh, I don't do harp therapy mm. as such as I do music therapy using a variety of instruments and some instruments are good for achieving some, some goals. The harp is a very musical, mm. uh, sounding and easily, easily made to sound musical. So when you, if you're working with someone who thinks they're not musical, if you hand them a fiddle. It's right. going to sound horrible, uh, but if you if you share a harp with them, it's going to sound pretty nice on the first go. Oh sure, yeah. You know what I mean. So and obviously you can share you can share the harp with someone, believe it or not, just by uh, playing it from the other side, mm. like on both sides, or playing at the bottom of the harp. It's, a lot of instruments are difficult to share. Um, you can share percussion. You can't really share a flute or a fiddle. I can share a guitar. Mm. So it's, sharing is important because you're 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 telling some the person you're working with, they, they know this instrument is one of the most important things in your life. And if you're willing to share it with them, it's that's a big statement. Uh rather than saying, I want to work with you, but don't touch this instrument. Mm. You know, you're you're, you're putting up putting up a fence there. Right. Block blocking them off. So it's good. The harp is good from that point of view, definitely.
0: Oh, that's great. And it's a lot easier than carrying around a piano. Too,
1: so. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, that the harp and the piano, you can share. Um, the piano is great for sharing and you can sit beside each other and avoid eye contact if that's what you oh, need to do. true, right. With the harp, you can have eye contact through the strings or yeah. directly uh, yeah. and still be symbolically sharing something. You know, true. the whole thing about sharing and making music together yeah, yeah. while you're playing the same object. Um, so it's got... Strengths and weaknesses. Um, oh, true.
0: Yeah, I've seen.
1: When you play the harp, you have to carry it around along with everything else. So that's. <laughs>
0: that's <laughs> people one, wonder it's what it is. <laughs> yeah.
1: but that's one of the best. That's one of the most amusing things I enjoy at Somerset. It's just sitting there and watching people going past. That's true. So you see people trudging with the instrument, and yeah. sometimes they have a person with them who is the harp carrier. You know, <laughs> yeah. and they're they're like. Some poor little guy, you know, you can just read his thoughts. You know, I wish I was on the golf course. <laughs> right. Little, little bubble. <laughs> Carrying But No, no, it's,
0: it's, you know, it's really it's funny. It is really funny. But at least this year, like, we don't have to, you know, people can just stay home. And they don't right. have to like. So um, yeah. I, I do want to ask you about arranging tunes. So I know you, yeah. you play um, the bazooki, which is not yeah. a traditional Irish or Scottish instrument at all.
1: That's correct. Yeah, it's right here. Yeah. Um, so so, so the, the bouzouki is probably originally Turkish and it's associated with Greece, it's a national instrument of Greece, and yet when people make bouzoukis now, they've changed them a lot. You know, The original ones would have a round back and this has got a flat back, and mine says it's got four courses of strings, you can have them with five, and I've got a particular tuning that's good for Scottish music, um, Uh, but the the has only been used in Scottish and Irish music since the sixties, mm. and basically somebody went to Eastern Europe on vacation and saw a few of these instruments, brought them back, and realised how well they worked uh, with traditional music because they're tuned. It's an open tuning, so you can have a chord without using your left hand. You have a chord, so then you can play the melody over that. So it's just the same as having a drone on the backpipe and, right. and a melody going over the top of it. So you have that tonic note and the fifth ringing through it. So prior to that, uh, traditional music, dance music, for example, would be accompanied in a variety of ways. When it, when it started out being accompanied and it never was accompanied, it was always melody instruments playing for a dance. And then the, the record labels, when they started recording, these old guys in Ireland playing the fiddle or the flute, they would just be playing on their own. And then they would draft in a piano player to accompany them. And they didn't know what to play because mm. they were trained classical pianists. And the, there was no written part to accompany a reel or a jig. Right, right. And they, and, the, and the musician who's playing the melody, they wouldn't be able to tell them what, what chords to play. They, it did not exist, this whole thing about these chords. Mm. Uh, And they just knew tons and tons of tunes and dance music. They couldn't advise on accompaniment. So some of the accompaniments that were coming out in the original recordings were awful. They would often play one chord, Mm. a whole set of tunes, even when the tune changes key to to the second tune, they would be still doing this. Even playing major chords through a minor tune, it was horrendous. So from that situation, it gradually moved on where people would actually start to folk bands where they would be playing instrumentals and they would use a guitar and the standard tuning. So you'd have a chord of G and D and C. And that's what the Dubliners did. So they would have the fiddle and the tenor banjo playing the melody of the dance music. And they'd have two guitars with standard tuning playing normal, we'll call them normal chords. And then along, years later, along came this type of instrument with the open tuning. Mm. And this is is just totally accepted as being an Irish sound now, and now a Scottish sound, having a drone and an open tuning. Right? Mm. And now that whole sense of harmony has gone on to the harp. So when people are playing dance music on the harp, They'll often use those same chord progressions, so this is like, I mean, music's so mixed up and confused now. You could call it Irish music or Scottish music, but the influences from Eastern Europe
0: mm. and
1: even the Far East are, are huge. Sure. So it's kind of world music now. You know, it's hard to actually classify it. Mm. Obviously, it's Irish but and Scottish, but and it's the melody still has that style of these countries, but okay. the accompaniment and the harmony has totally changed over the years
0: and and you want more open harmonies on the harp for the like a lot of traditional tunes like you don't want a lot of yeah. the, like you want fifths and tenths and
1: yeah because uh, if you use it tends to be if you use big full chords um makes it sound more modern and too full you know mm. and in dance music and in a lot of the old harp pieces as well there's so much going on in the melody anyway with the ornamentation and the variations you actually don't have to do tons mm. anyway you know uh the melody often speaks for itself and the melody's always telling you what the harmony could be right it, it could always be something else but then most of the tunes are, are built on broken chords you know mm. and so that it's telling you these are the chords you could play mm. to accompany this tune it doesn't have to be that but uh it's just a lot of the, the dance tunes follow the same patterns. Right. You know, if a, a tune in e, mi- e minor will be the chords would be E minor and D major, basically. There's two chords. It could be three chords. Right, right. And it's, this, it's the same in A minor, A minor and G major, back and forward. Mm. And it's the same in Scottish music. If you're playing pipe tunes on the harp, the the, the melody is well. There's Scottish tunes that are hugely influenced by Scottish pipes. It could be written for the fiddle or the pipes, Mm. but the the Scottish pipes only has nine notes in the melody department, in the chanter, whereas the the Irish bagpipe has got two octaves and and it's chromatic. Mm. So there's a lot more uh, variety in the Irish melody. Oh, sure. But uh, it certainly can follow certain chords and the open tuning is very good for that.
0: And then the ornaments, do you... um... Are they influenced by fiddle players? Are they influenced by the pipe playing or the whistle playing? Or um... I think
1: going way back to the wire harpers uh, would have heard pipes a, a lot. You know, um, the thing about the Scottish pipes is once you start playing them, once you start blowing them up, there's no silence mm. because the, the sound can't be stopped. The chanter's open at the end, and the, the reeds always vibrating. So. In order to make the rhythm, you have to use ornaments. Now, mm. uh, in the pipes, you can actually blo- you can block the chanter on your knee and close all the holes, and you can actually make a silence. Uh, you can even switch the drones off. Mm. But in, in the melody, it's the important thing. The drones could be continuous, but the melody could have actual gaps or silences between the notes. So that's a different style. But in the Scottish bagpipe, to make the second note and to make trebles and doubles and everything you have to use cuts and ornaments to make the rhythm because it's one long continuous sound there's no silence so that's hugely influ- influential mm. in in uh, in fiddle music and in harp as well so a lot, a lot of the old harp music um would have a simple melody and a whole series of variations mm. and that that's that's kind of the form of the, the scottish bagpipe pibroch where they would have a melody and lots of variations. And the melody could be incredibly simple mm. and basic, but once you go through these variations, many of them, it starts to get really complex. And it has a, it has a form which you, you're not always aware of if you're listening to it, mm. if you're not used to it, but it's kind of, a, You start you start off simple and it works through a whole range of variations and goes in a circle and you end up back where you started and play the simple line at the beginning again at the end. Yeah, So the, the ornaments, it's, it's very, I mean, I'll, I'll often play a little thing and, and, and Grainne would say, oh, you don't do that in Irish music just because I placed a little note somewhere, mm. a little grace note or a cut. Um, but apart from all this, you're always hugely influenced by every musician you've ever worked with. So sometimes I'll look at a tune and I can hear the fiddle in my head playing oh. it and I'll, that's the way I'll maybe phrase it or ornament it so you never know where your influences are coming from and nowadays you know you listen to people playing traditional music and they're i mean anything goes you know Uh, it could be you you know normally if you were playing dance music it would have certain number of measures and beats in the bar but now you can shove in an extra beat especially if people are composing new tunes you know you could have four four and suddenly a five four, and then back to four four. Mm. That's, you know that's a, definitely an influence from from the east.
0: Right, right.
1: You hear it. You hear it in river dance. People think river dance is uh, Irish, but there's so many influences from other other cultures and other you know traditions Not in sure. the rhythm uh, that wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been done yeah. traditionally. You know, the tunes in Ireland and Scotland would have been for dance six eight four four three four. You know. But now it's you just could expect anything.
0: <laughs> true, true. Um, and then so, but when you're playing uh, an air, it's 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 based on a, a song. So, yeah. Um, for you, do you make it a point to to find the lyric to that song? I think it's
1: I think it's important. Um, if you're just playing the melody, it's still good to know what the lyrics are, and you're you're trying to. Um, Interpret how someone would sing that, but often I'm in the situation where I'm actually a, I would be accompanying a, a Gaelic like singer, mm. and you kind of need to know even if you don't speak the language, you have to know what's been sung. Otherwise, you might end up playing something quite cheery, uh, you know, against a verse where someone's just drowned, right. uh, just because <laughs> musically it sounds okay, but you know the, the singer looking at you, mm-hmm. what you're doing, we just right. had a disaster there, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, thought, I thought I would. Brighten that bit up. Yeah, I, I always kind of check out, what's this song about? What happens in verse three, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah.
1: And try, try to arrange it that way. And that's in terms of accompaniment.
0: Sure, sure. Uh,
1: you know, but also if you were just playing it. um, But I mean, <laughs> there's very, uh, there's a lot of airs that are definitely sad. You know, mm. I, I did music for the History Channel once and they wanted something about the clans, Battle of the Clans. And we'd researched all this music. And um, it was all to do with the Highland clearances and all of, all of the things that happened. And they, they say, well, we like the music, but do you have anything that's a little bit cheerier? <laughs> it all sounds <laughs> quite sad. <And> so <laughs> it is. They had to say, well, you asked for something about the clearances yeah. and uh, people being thrown out of their home. And the reason why people went to America and Canada, mm. because they were cleared out of their houses to make way for sheep. And so well, it was kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't very happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, yeah. These things happen.
0: True. Um, but in, in channel singing, you don't normally um have accompaniment. Right no. and, but it's just but but then the harp was also used for accompanying singing. Yeah. Too so
1: I, I mean um I've often been in a situation where i'd be on a concert and there'd be a singer and the singer should or usually would sing unaccompanied but this they just come up and say oh you accompany me i really don't want to go and sing myself so even if they're singing a song that's normally unaccompanied sometimes they just ask you to do a favor so and you don't know the song Mm. and they don't know what key they sing in oh so you're kind of saying sing a bit so they'll sing it in the key and then you're trying to get the hang of the the melody And it's good to just keep keep it open, very open, kind of accompaniment, you know, and don't play it in a major or a minor key till you understand what the heck's going on. Sure. And uh, and often they go on stage and sing it in a completely different key. <laughs> 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 and are you can just follow it's, along.
0: <laughs> well that's yeah, a lot of switching. So do no, I know. And, yeah.
1: You know, and then you they're saying, Dude, this is not the key we did it in at the rehearsal, they'll say. They get nervous the and like, they change the key. <laughs> yeah. But um, definitely good to know what the song's about. And you know, if you're accompanying someone singing one of these songs, you can get away with playing very little. Mm. And you just have to watch because some of, some of the songs have both a major and a minor third right. cropping up and maybe something in between, just bending notes. Right, right. So it's good not to stick to, keep it open, you know, fifths and drones and you can play yeah. something. It just weaves in and out of the melody. But. Rather than trying to play the melody or playing normal so-called normal chords, <clears throat> yeah.
0: You know? uh, one of my professors at um, University of Limerick, uh, Lil- Lilis O'Leary, um, he's a cello singer in from Donegal, and he mm-hmm. always said like the singing in Donegal doesn't have the in the um, ornamentation that you know uh, it does in like Cork uh, or mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, sometimes. Uh, people would think that when he was singing, that wasn't traditional enough um, because they didn't have all the ornaments, you know. Well,
1: um, Donegal music is very close to Scottish music, and down here in Mayo and, and generally down in the south of Ireland, they don't. Some people don't consider Donegal music to be Irish music at all. Oh, it, it, wow. They think it's Scottish. So. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so well, there's def- there's definitely a, a very strong influence there, you know, in fiddling, right, and just technically is a very isolated uh, um, part of the Republic of Ireland, mm. you know. So it's the Highlands. It's the Highlands of the country, and it's, so it's the equivalent of the the Highlands of Scotland. Geographically, it would be isolated, and the music just kind of went in a different direction. Sure. sure. And it's cl- it's closer to Scotland, so there'd be a lot of back and forwards influence.
0: Yeah, well, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So there's definitely a different, whole different style of right, playing.
0: Right. So when you talk about, like, uh, Roy Dahl and, mm-hmm. um, like, the ancient composers, um, mm-hmm. when you when you look at a manuscript and you just see the notes there, like, how do you even start to come up with how you're going to arrange it or, or mm-hmm. how you're, you know?
1: Well, the, the, the old Scottish harp tradition is kind of a different situation from the Irish. So for a start... Edward Bunting collected a lot, lot of tunes at the Belfast Harp Festival in 1792. That never happened in Ireland. That, sorry, that never happened in Scotland. Right. And have you tried to imagine what he was actually asked to do? It was incredible. So he used to listen to a dozen harpers playing wire harp. Um, over the course of a weekend, he doesn't have a recording device. He's trying to write down what they're playing by hand. Uh, And at the same time, maybe keep in mind the the harmonies and, you know, the the, the whole way that they harmonise and there's enough going on in the melody Mm. to keep you going. And he's got to write down hundreds of tunes. And uh, so so what he collected was what he remembered. (laughs) Uh, It would be fascinating just to hear what was actually played. Mm. And his background would be, you know, playing organ or harp score or piano or something. And then going away and, uh, you know, refining what he thinks he heard based on his notes and adding a left hand based on what he remembers. No recordings. Right. So if you put yourself in that position, I'd like to get somebody to do that, you know, and see see what they actually, what they come out with at the end of the weekend. Sure. Um, So that never happened in Scotland. Nobody nobody sat down to collect um, the Scottish harp music. And the music that does survive um, would never have been written down originally. And eventually, it would have been played maybe on other instruments, on the fiddle, maybe maybe on the pipes, mm. and it's gradually coming down through the years and being attributed to certain individuals who... There's not tons of known harp players. There's quite a few of them. Mm. And um, one of the most well-known would be Rona Dahlokahant, who was an Irish harper? Now, some people are saying they're not exactly sure whether he existed or not, hmm. um, or whether he's the same person as Rory Dal Morrison. They're both called Rory or Roderick, and they were both blind harpers. But they were, according to the records, they're born hundred years apart. Hmm. And um, but there are a lot of tunes attributed to Rory Dal, which would be. Um, Written by this Irish harper who went to Scotland and spent the last twelve or thirteen years of his life there in the west of Scotland. I mean, Scotland in those days would have a lot of stately homes and castles and kind of wealth. You know, people in a position where they could uh, sponsor a harper and and commission new pieces. So a lot, a lot of the old harp pieces in Scotland are named after individuals or after places, oh. um, houses, castles. Um, But the music wasn't, certain; wasn't collected at that time, wasn't written down. And much later, fiddlers and fiddle composers would sometimes write a tune in the style of the old harp music and say it was an old harp tune Hmm. to see how it would go down. (laughs) Uh, You know, because they didn't want to get Bad, uh, bad reviews, so if everyone said, oh, you know how sometimes if people think a thing is really old, they, they'll sometimes say it's really good, mm. because it's old. It might not be good, you know, but if you compose a tune and you say I'm going to say this tune was written by Rory Dahl, mm. and I've discovered it, um, and people say, well, that's amazing, it's amazing, and then the composer would finally say, actually, only the first part is is, is traditional, I I added the next three variations when it's safe for him to say that. Mm. So a lot of that went on, you know, and sometimes a lot of the old harp tunes would be used for for songs. Like Robert Burns used uh, some of uh, the old harp melodies for his songs, Um like If uh, One Kiss, and then he would change it to another melody later. So that's, that's, that's the way the old harp music would have survived in Scotland, mm. would be in other forms, in Luke Manuscript. Or being used for song, or evolving into a fiddle tune or a pipe tune. Right. So certainly we don't have the repertoire that they have in Ireland. The number of tunes that are kind of genuinely old harp tunes. Mm.
0: And then I guess um, in the Appalachians, like you know, because uh, a lot of Scottish people gravitated mm-hmm. to you know the South and in the United States. I guess yeah. a lot of those tunes wound up being preserved in a way. Um, yeah.
1: So- I mean that old see that tune old Joe Clark you know and he's, he's so associated with you know the Carolinas and all of that mm. that's the typical uh, Scottish mode you know the mixolydian mode that that tune is you could play it on the Highland pipes right. and and against the drone of the dulcimer or whatever that's typical sort of uh, to me that was a way they continued their tradition mm. if they didn't have the pipes they would make an instrument and have drawn strings and play it in that same mode. Right. I saw instruments in in North Carolina in a museum and they were made out of biscuit tins wow. and uh they had like a little fretboard stuck on. Hm. It's amazing what people will do <laughs> Yeah. To, to make music. Yeah. And uh and yeah it would still kind of sound hm. you know along you know along the lines of that. you know the Scottish bagpipe would have this mode. <laughs> you know but if you've got that drone string you can play that on the back, the scottish bagpipe
0: mm. yeah,
1: that's that's typical scale and mode
0: all right so in your when you're composing i guess you you just kind of bring all of
1: that i mean uh, uh, so many i mean uh, I, I do a lot of workshops on composing in a traditional style and I always say you're going to be influenced by every single piece of music you've ever heard in your life. Mm. And our harmony is so influenced by things we've previously heard. Um, It's very difficult to write a new piece that doesn't sound like an old piece when you're writing something in, in an Irish style or a Scottish style because the music is restricted to these modes and these basic chords. If you're writing a jig in a minor key, it's kind of going going to go along the same kind of blueprint, mm. you know, uh, a template as an existing jig. There are hundreds and hundreds, thousands of jigs in E minor, in E A minor, and G major, and they all follow the same kind of chordal patterns. So when you're writing a new tune, it's it's so easy for it to slip into. You know, you, you write something, and you think it's a big achievement, and then one day you hear someone playing it on the radio, and you say, "Wait a minute, I thought." <laughs> I thought I wrote, wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> so you it's, you have to kind of really push yourself to do something mm. um, different. Uh, but I mean, it all comes back to what what do you think is traditional? You know, and you know things that we're doing now mm. are it's, it's going to be a tradition of tomorrow. So
0: oh yeah, and and you tradition. you wrote. Um like when they opened this reopened the like the Scottish Parliament did you wrote yeah. a tune for that or a suite? well it was it
1: was a competition oh. um it was, the competition was um not connected with the parliament but it was because it was because of the parliament so the press in Scotland decided you have a competition mm. to find a new anthem because the existing anthem was God save the queen mm. um one of the verses of God Save the Queen is never sung, but it, the words are rebellious Scots to quell. And they don't sing that in public. Um, so people were saying, we need to get a new anthem. So they had an open competition, and they had some guidelines. Had, it had to be able to be played on S- Scotland's traditional instruments. So that really, that was the pipes. It, was there. it could be in any language that's spoken in Scotland. And... I had to just describe Scotland's achievements and future. So I entered the competition, and there was two hundred and fifty entries, and I won that competition. Mm. So that that all coincided with the opening of the Parliament. Now the Parliament basically wasn't closed; it was adjourned mm. in seventeen o seven. So it's one of the longest lunch breaks <laughs> that pol- politicians have ever taken. <laughs> But um, they didn't have a parliament for 300 years, mm-hmm. like um, so it's back running now, which is good.
0: And do they play your, your, your song before? They, played
1: it, they don't play it at the parliament. Oh, they, um, okay. See, Scotland is not a nation. right? So the nation state is the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Right. So if you're not a nation, you can't actually have a national anthem. So there are quite a few anthems in, that are used in Scotland, mm-hmm. and it's Land of Light song I wrote is often played at Highland games, and it was played at the Edinburgh Tattoo, which is a big festival outside the castle where they have all these things. And it was performed for the late Queen Mother's 100th birthday, and I performed it for Prince Charles at, at Holyrood Palace uh, when he was there. It was that was weird because my dressing room was Mary Queen of Scots' bedroom. Oh. <laughs> And I was, I was getting changed, and there are big beds there, and it's surrounded by plexiglass. Mm. And Prince Charles came back to talk to me afterwards, and he asked me all about the harp. Mm. So everywhere he goes, somebody whispers in his ear and tells him sure, some of sure. questions to ask. And he said, tell me, is your harp strong with nylon or, or gut? <laughs> uh, you know, so someone has obviously done some research. <laughs> so... Yeah, so that's just, that's what's happened with the song, and it's oh, it's played more in the U- U.S. at Highland Games than it is played at, in Scotland. Oh, okay. Because it's very it's very political. Uh, the whole thing in Scotland is sure weird. Like, God Save the Queen is not actually the national anthem mm-hmm. either. Britain doesn't actually have a national anthem officially. Oh. God Save the Queen is called the Royalist Anthem, and Parliament has never ever ratified an anthem for the United Kingdom. Mm. So wow there you go <laughs> wow.
0: yeah and then the rebels here in 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 the states yeah. <laughs> change the words to that <laughs> yeah so my, 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 country my country tis of the yeah. yeah so um
1: yeah.
0: rebellious songs in yeah. a different yeah. way um, the,
1: the whole thing about anthems it's interesting um in different countries anthems have changed so much you know um and the Star Spangled Banner was written, it was 13 years before it was actually even used as the, as a national anthem. And that was a drinking uh, song. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what we need for a Scottish anthem, a good drinking song. Yeah. Uh, that's the last thing we need.
0: No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kathy, who is the director of the Somerset Folk Harp Festival, wanted me to ask you how... Um, how you feel about your, your, um, your kid's summer vacation is always has been Somerset yeah. for the past few years.
1: Yeah. Well, our daughter is nine and little boy, he's five. Uh, they have always gone on tour with us, whether it's to Somerset or not. So when we go to, to the U S luckily they were great travelers all the time. And oh. they, they, would have the minivan rented with two harps in the back, a uh, stroller, all the luggage two kids Mm. or one kid at one time and uh, great travellers and to go to all the concerts and we would have uh, someone to babysit them while we were playing the concert Mm. when we came to Somerset we had like so many babysitters (laughs) all ready (laughs) to do stuff and they got to know so many people Mm. and um, the hardest thing was taking them into the harp exhibit and trying to get them not to touch anything (laughs) 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 you know like running Rampage through the harp displays, but uh, they know the score. They know this is what we do. And they know how to be around a harp. And they would, they're at the age now where they'll, they'll actually sit in, in concerts. And uh, at Somerset, they, they're very familiar with lots of the people there and mm-hmm. they would be well entertained when we were doing workshops. Gronja and I usually don't teach at the same time anyway. And so we have a little system going there. They're great. Yeah. So this is very strange this year not mm. not to go. But, you know, in the summer, we always attended certain festivals. We would be teaching at Swan and in, in North Carolina. Mm. And I might do a Highland Games, Grandfather Mountain Highland Games. And after that, we would come up to do a summer set. So we had this little yeah. uh, three weekend trip where it was great, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of a vacation, but, it's, you know, it's a bit nerve wracking having kids on tour with you sure but uh, we've been very fortunate you know so it's good a good experience for them and something they'll they'll always remember
0: oh yeah and there's you know great video and photos of of mm-hmm. um the kids like on stage with you mm-hmm. and playing yeah. the harp with you yeah. <laughs> so it's really actually cute.
1: when we were over in march our first concert was in uh, in charleston south carolina mm. and Ellie danced during the concert that's the first oh, time oh cute She's ever done anything. Well, she she was reluctant to do it after that, but she stole the show, I'm afraid. So they say, they say never appear on stage with children or, or animals. Oh, no. but, but now we have a dog as well. We're really asking for trouble.
0: <laughs> and are they playing yet, or they're not? They did they start playing?
1: Um, a- well, Ailey, they both go to piano lessons. Ailey's doing fine at piano. She's yeah, she has a busy schedule. She's doing Irish dance. Liam's doing Irish dance. Ailey has had some harp lessons. She. She goes out of their house and walks around the front of the house and knocks on the front door and comes in <laughs> and Grania g- gives her a lesson. Aww. She has to behave like a student and uh, teach the, the te- uh, treat the teacher with respect, you know. <laughs> <laughs> then she comes back and again gets back to normal.
0: Oh, that's really cute.
1: lane has got a little harp, but he hasn't really tackled it yet. All right. They've got they're very musical and there's a lot of instruments in the house. I mean, everything you name it. There's drums, there's xylophone, mm. piano multiple harps excellent and uh, they could they could learn any instrument if they wanted to but sometimes you know if you play a lot of music and you have instruments in your house your kids kind of they can take it for granted Mm. but they definitely will play a tune one day not realizing they're listening and then the Mm. next thing they're they're humming the tune some obscure melody they'll be humming it two days later (laughs)
0: excellent
1: they are listening
0: yeah yeah Billy, thank you so much for taking yeah. the time out of your busy schedule to <laughs> chat with me. Um, it's so great to see you and, mm-hmm. you know, miss you this year. I miss you and Grania and the kids this year. But hopefully, you know, we'll be seeing each other soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks but, very much. Yeah, thank you.
1: You're welcome.
0: <laughs> you can find more information on Billy's music, on his teaching and tours on Harp Agency. Dot .com that's h a r p agency.com or at w j thanks for listening to moon over the trees music and theater productions podcast dive into the show notes at moonoverthetrees.com and if you enjoyed the show please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast